0: When I got done with um, worship practice this morning, I was walking out and the boys, the group of boys were sitting here playing, Shiloh and Ezra and Lincoln and, uh, with their Legos, and Shiloh invited me to play with him. Do you wanna play, pastor? And then I said what we've, the joke that we've said for years, Now I've gotta to work today. That extremely upset Lincoln. No, like, that's how he reacts. He's like, no, my daddy goes to work. Like, you don't go to work, like, so. I'm like, I'm just leaving that alone. Just, you know, disengage. (laughs) Lots of passion in that, boy, lots of passion. Um, Turn with me to Psalms 138. Psalms 138. And um, this was one of the um, scriptures that I used this week in my uh, prescription for my comfort text that I've been sending out. Um, and um, it was interesting to find this. And you'll see, in starting in verse 7 By your mighty power, I can walk through any devastation, and you will keep me alive, reviving me. Your power set me free from the hatred of my enemies. You keep every promise you've ever made to me, since your love for me is constant and endless. And then this line, I ask you, Lord, to finish every good thing you have begun in me. And, of course, that that goes with um, Philippians 1:16 that he'll... He'll finish every every good thing that he starts. And he'll finish. He'll 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 finish that until the day of Jesus Christ. Like it's God that's at work in us, and we'll look at those scriptures a little better. And when I saw that, I I think my caption was kind of like, you know, don't don't. This is this is our dilemma through our whole Christian walk, of getting ourselves to a better place, better disciples, better this, better that, changing things. Um, and it's so easy to feel like you've got to improve yourself and do better with things, whether it's simple things like prayer or whether it's relationships. And the burden of that can come on you and you can really work hard at it. Some people are good at working hard at it, but it doesn't necessarily cause the change that, that Jesus wants in us. And so I, in a, in a word, I address that like meditate on this. It's God that's at work in you. If he's the one at work, then he's the one that will do it. You just all you need to do is, is cooperate with him and change with him. So let's look to Psalm or Philippians 1:3 or 1, six Philippians 1:6. Philippians one six. Paul, we believe is yeah. Paul is uh, talking to the people of Philippi, giving thanks for them, etc. And it comes to verse six, and he says, "I pray with great faith for you, because I'm fully convinced that the one who began this glorious work in you." will faithfully continue the process of maturing you and will put his finishing touches to it until the unveiling of our Lord Jesus Christ. So there it is, in a nutshell, it is God that is at work in you. It's God that's at work in you. It's so important to settle that or you will take up the uh, burden of fixing yourself and changing yourself and improving yourself. Especially when something shows up that's not good. Some stronghold, some emotional, you know, some thing. There's always something that shows up. You're like, oh boy, this is ugly. And so it's so important to cast that uh, towards the Lord. And in chapter 2, verse 13, we see God will continually revitalize you, implanting within you the passion to do what pleases Him. So... This is really clear. It's God that's at work in you. Like this is really like he's working, he's doing, he's he's whatever. And so I was um reading a um a new book and um I'd heard this name Dietrich Bonhoeffer for a lot of years but never really read any of his stuff. And um Dietrich Bonhoeffer, of course, German, so there's a connection, Lotsenheiser, Bonhoeffer, like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And um, he was a believer born out of a um, very cultural, wealthy family. And somewhat even to his father's chagrin, he he chose to pursue uh, theology and the things of God. Like, And so he went that direction, but he had the ability and talent and et cetera to to do other things, Um, and his family was very successful, but they were very um, uh, noble too. Like, um, they they were really good people, and uh, solid people, and so, as he makes this decision, he has a lot of opportunities to come to America. He's, he's very smart as he begins to study. He has a, a full ride to uh, come and teach at a college here in America. And uh, everything's taken care of. And he, and he travels at one part of his testimony all the way here. And he's, you know, he's set up to be here for a year. Within 26 days, he's back in Germany because he cannot handle walking away from the people that he was praying for, and the burden that he was walking out and carrying, and this was these were the years that Adolf Hitler was beginning to rule, and he he saw it right away that Adolf Hitler, with this um, national socialism that he was bringing into Germany, that it was destructive, that it was evil. Somehow he he knew that. I'll have to read more about uh, how he addressed that. He didn't become any. And it's very clear, he wasn't religious, of course. He also wasn't political. He would have been prone to just be a passive person. But he comes to the conclusion that as, as a believer and as a, as a leader, he cannot be silent in the face of tyranny, of the evil. And so... He begins to just address issues, uh, his writings, his public, his speaking. Church, he just spoke against that um, in Germany in those years because he was hanged in April of 1945 after being imprisoned for quite a few years. Um, when you speak against what the government's doing, and when you speak against this tyranny. You don't just get censored from tweeter, tw- tweeter, twitter, <laughs> tweeter. That might be a better name for it. You don't just get censored. You don't just get banned. You don't just get blocked. You get arrested. <laughs> I just read. There's a, a, a another pastor in uh, Canada just got arrested just present because he was advocating. Uh, he, he was inciting people to go to church. So he was arrested publicly. Like big big deal so they're going through it right in Canada and so <clears throat> Dietrich spent his time in prison ministering to all the other believers that were there and um, did a, some at some point he had time to do his right writings because we have those as memoirs and different things and then he was ex- executed uh, just a few weeks before the liberation of Germany and the fall of Hitler, like it was that close. But he could have escaped that several times, but he he didn't choose that. He wouldn't leave his people, and he wouldn't leave his convictions. He knew that was where he was supposed to be. So I begin to read this book called um, The Cost of Discipleship, and oh my goodness, it's I'm just enjoying it so much. It's really... It's ministering to me, and then the enjoying is um, uh, maybe the wrong word to use because it's very convicting, and I'm like, ah, oh, like, as, you know, as a leader, I'm like, oh, this is, I have to rethink some things. I have to look at some things. And he begins to talk about being called of the Lord, the calling, the, Jesus would call people, and with these words, follow me. So there was a call, and then there was a response. Follow me, and then the response was to follow him. It wasn't to make excuses. And we have several scenarios where Jesus is talking about this. explaining this. You know, one person, he says, Follow me. He goes, Okay, but give me a chance to go bury my father. And, or, Okay, give me a chance to do this or do that. And, um, If you had the revelation of who it was that was calling you the Son of God the King of glory is calling you to join his band to sign up with him and it surpasses everything nothing else matters and so it's it's so good and refreshing to take a whole new look at this call and then he asked the question The step that we have to take, is it obedience or is it faith? And that seems like a simple question to ask until you really start looking at it and what comes first, what's more important, obedience or faith? It takes, well, we would say faith because it takes faith to obey. But then if you have faith without obeying, then faith isn't enough in this context that Faith with you know faith without works is dead. So he goes on as he develops this to 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 teach and to share that it's inseparable, that the call of the Lord, like it it is obedience and it is faith, and it you can't really separate the two. And life becomes as soon as I begin to read even about him. I immediately started looking at just everyday situations as I'm just following Jesus. Just, it takes so much, like, I just want to follow you. I just want to, to do what you're saying to do, like, look at everything through that. How do you feel about me doing this or not doing this? It just changed things. You can endure things if you have the vision that he's watching and everything you do matters and the way you do it matters and that he will reward you. We talked somewhat about that in my message last uh, last week, or I talked somewhat about that last week. So let's look at a few things. Um, in um, Mark chapter ten, verse seventeen through twenty-two. Mark ten. 17, verse 17 through 22, as Jesus started on his way, a man came running up to him, kneeling down in front of him, and he cried out, good teacher, what one thing am I required to do to gain eternal life? Jesus responded, why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. Good. You already know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give a false testimony, do not cheat and honor your father and your mother. The man said to Jesus, Teacher, I have carefully obeyed these laws since my youth. Now, that's where I normally end. Like, well, believe in the Lord. I would give some instruction. They say, yeah, I'm doing all that. Jesus, perceiving what was in the heart, took it to the true level. And he says, Jesus fixed his gaze upon the man. And this is interesting in, in Mark, it even says these words. He, he fixed his eyes. Uh, he fixed on the man tender love. And he said, he gazed upon the man with tender love. Like he, like he loved him, like out of love, he said to him. So that's important to hear, to know it's, I think it's only Mark that records that like, this next word that was so hard that the 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 rich young ruler—it's story the story—he walks away. But what's Jesus didn't say it to like, see, I told you, you weren't, you know, it wasn't to, it wasn't spoken to condemn him. It was spoken to get to the heart and the roots so he would truly be free and could truly follow because if you could, if you could do that, you gain the whole world and eternity. So Jesus wasn't giving him something hard so that he wouldn't have fun the rest of his life or he prosperous, or whatever else, you know? He, he spoke this because this, guy, this man comes and pursues him and seeks him out because what, I do all those things. What can I do? Yet there's still one thing in you lacking. Go sell all that you have and give the money to the poor. Then all of your treasure will be in heaven. And you've done this. Come back and walk with me. Follow me. Follow me out of the context of there's, there's nothing be, you're just, you're just going to follow. No ifs, ands, or buts. No prep, prep work. No, you know, well, promise me this, that you'll never send me to Africa. I mean, we have all kinds of negotiations when we come to Jesus, right? And, oh, Lord, he's patient with us. But what he wants from us at some point, sooner or later, you'll come to this. It's going to cost you everything. You'll gain everything, but first it costs you everything. And we cannot share this gospel in any other way. When we do, we compromise it badly. And the thing that the Lord would go after in a person is never dealt with. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, 42. This is a real, I'm sure this is on your refrigerator. Matthew 5, verse 42. I'm going to drag you where this whole thought process drug me. You're welcome. (laughs) Happy Mother's Day. You're like, oh, pastor, like, that was not nice. It's for your liberty. It's for my liberty. I've got to get this straightened out before it's too late, you know, like I'm still getting saved. And in Matthew chapter 5, verse 42, learn to generously share what you have with those who ask for help and don't close your heart to the one who comes to borrow from you. When I like the person, it's easy. When I don't like the person so much, yeah, I'll, I'll confess that, it's hard. Real life story, I mean, this came back to me, I remember so so well uh, what I felt in this. I had a 1966 Ford pickup, Baby Blue. We all remember that, because we hauled our band equipment around, around with it, whatever, and um, It was really nice. It was my precious. And uh, I used it in a practical way, but it was really nice. Dual exhaust and aluminum wheels. And it went vroom when you started it. Yeah. And someone, far removed from now, but just someone, asked if they could borrow it and drive it a distance, clear to northern Ohio to pick up something, da-da-da. and. I didn't like this person that much like it was like and I said no now I had a very right to say no I mean if you'd asked me can I tell her it's like yeah sure you can But once I did I cuz I knew what was going on in me like I came up with some excuse like I no, I don't want you to take it that far but it was a no and it didn't the other stuff didn't matter I immediately felt separated from the Lord. Like I didn't get punished for this, but it immediately was like it grieved me. I felt like and it and it was too late. Like um, when I'm feeling this, so like it was just done and over. But I hate that feeling. And the reality is, and the older I get, the more I treasure being at one with Jesus, and he asked me something, is there anything worth coming between me and him? Like, whatever could have happened or did happen, you get to this point where, between, do you have a right to say no and set boundaries? Yeah, we talk about that, and there are healthy boundaries, and blah, 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 blah. However, you cannot eradicate this verse, and you will never have peace until you, these are these issues, follow me. Uh, I, you know, we were like full of like, don't ask that. And he's just quiet. Me, I try to compensate, I help people out, or whatever I feel bad for them. So there's my, like, that was bad. That's happened a few times in my life. Normally I'm giving, but I have my limitations and I go, no, and I don't feel that great about it. So you see, when Jesus called me to follow him, and I really am aware of that, like you need that to happen. You need to perceive that he called you. You don't invite yourself to follow Jesus. It just doesn't work. He has to call you. He invites you. And i Believe he's willing to call every one, last one of us. But the following comes from the question, comes from the invitation, follow me. It's like there are two ways you can look at it. It's a command, but it also is an invitation. If I invite someone to come along with me, I'm not commanding them to come along with me to go someplace. I'm inviting them. If they, if they choose, if they give me excuses, I'm like, oh yeah, I understand i got to go shopping. I've got to take care of this. I go, yeah, it's fine. I'm just Rick. You know, I'm not Jesus Christ. But when Jesus asks you to follow him, you could really regret a no. And, and so it's an invitation and whatever it may cost you, like I've got to stop protecting people from what it, i've got to stop protecting me from what it cost me i got to protect stop protecting people from what it, it may cost you something dearly and what it means to you it may not mean to me so this is between you and jesus and your your following is between you and him it's not between you and anybody else and so he invites the king of kings, the king of glory that we were talking about in, out of Psalms 24, has invited you to follow him. Like What? Really? It's like greatest job opportunity ever. You just got this opportunity. Big money, big whatever, and it's exactly what you want to do. You're like, you're ready to throw the wife and the kids to the curb. Like, I want to do that, you know? So, when we get an invitation to do the greatest thing ever given an opportunity to do, then you don't want to make excuses. You want to, be like, I'll be there. Got some stuff to deal with, but I'm going to be there. Again, a story far removed from here and now, okay? It was a young couple, and it, oddly enough, it was the man that came to me and asked me, it's just like these Jesus questions. People come to ask because they want relieved of something they're struggling with, you know? It's like, not necessarily really asking, what is Jesus thinking about this, think about this? Like, asking, can I get away with this? Can you absolve me? Can you tell me this is okay? That's, you know. So beware, because I'm not the only one that gets those questions. I know y'all do too. And it was someone I had a relationship with, and they, they called me to talk to me. I think it was on the phone, doesn't matter. And began to tell me a story. My brother-in-law comes to our house and uses my our washing machine every week over and over and never like, like and he's aware of this scripture. Like that's why this conversation. I know Jesus says, don't refuse him who asks of you. But, so if they wear you down a little bit and you feel bad for them, you're like, yeah, man, if I was in that situation, I'd be like going nuts too. I, I get it. I totally get it. And I even know your brother-in-law. I really get it. Like, yeah, that'd be tough. Yeah. See, you, yeah, you get pulled into these things and now you're not talking like Jesus. Now you're talking about, you know, you're talking like them. And then I came up with something that wasn't, Terrible, terrible, but today I probably would just answer differently. Then I'm like, well, obviously you can't do it freely. You're resentful about it, so it's probably better for you to not do it at all than to do it and, re- and resent this, like put an end to it, say no, end of subject. Today, in light of this, I might say, If you want to be perfect, don't withhold it from him. Maybe even buy him his own washing machine if you don't want him buying yours. Like, if you want to be perfect, if you really want to be free from this, there's a de- Now, I know this is a hard word, isn't it? But you see, Jesus is after the things you're hanging on to and the things you're saving and like, it's my precious And yeah, your washing machine can be, or your mower, your lawnmower, your, you know, those things that you have, they're like, you're like, ah, it's just, it's just your whatever. You're like, no, it, I don't want it scraped or scratched or bumped or whatever, you know. And Jesus wants you to be free from that thing. That's what he's after, freedom, because freedom is wonderful. And being at one with him is it not worth everything to not have anything between you and him? To, to face the hard thing and keep it truly between you and Jesus? And to be willing to, to go that extra mile because the freedom is in the extra mile. When Jesus said this, if the Romans would do this, they would say, hey, you carry my burden for a mile. They were under oppression, the oppression of the Roman government. So that, that, that thing, it's like they had to do it. They asked him to go, they had to go a mile. Jesus said, you want to be free? Don't start a riot. It's a thought, but don't start a riot. Go two. The first mile, you're under him. The second mile, he's under you. See, when you do that second mile freely with a smile and you bless them, you know what, Mr. Roman soldier that's been mean to us all of our lives? I'm going to carry this two miles, and God bless you. And man, there might be a conversion by the end of the second, second mile. People respond to this when they see selflessness in you and I, when they see us being willing to stop protecting and saving ourselves and we actually lay down our life. And if you feel like you've blown it a lot, I'm just gonna tell you a secret. You'll get more opportunities. There's one around every corner. And this is hard. Like, if you tell me your whole story, I'm gonna end up sympathizing with you because I'm weak. So it's like better like blah la 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 la. Jesus said, you know, I'll listen to your story like this, and then I'll then I'll say, learn to be generous and share what you have with those who ask for help, and don't close your heart to the one who comes to borrow from you. And maybe you would go away sad, or maybe you would go away and say, For you, Jesus, I will do this, because actually, That's who we're to do these things for. If you give, give as unto the Lord. Why? Because it's risky giving to people. They may burn you. They may disappoint you. They may defraud you. They may do something later that's horribly offensive to you. But if you did it as unto the Lord, then whatever you gave, whatever you did, however you served... There is a freedom there. There's a liberty there. Jesus did this because he wanted to go after our attachments that actually make us depressed. We're guarding and we're upset and we're we're striving and and, and, and our, there's there's a way you'll get delivered like we're afraid I'm gonna get all entangled and whatever. And no, I don't think you should jump every time someone comes along and starts, you know, manipulating you like. No, you shouldn't respond to that. You have to use wisdom and discernment, but there's this core issue. And when it just becomes between you and Jesus, you know those things you've got to die to. They may not look like my things. That thing may be easy for me. I I may be thoughtless about that. Oh, yeah, sure. I can do that. I can come here. I can go there. I can... But then I have something else I'm like, oh, don't ask me that. Don't ask me that. Don't require that of me. Jesus, you know, like, oh, it's driving me crazy. My thing is my thing. Your thing is your thing. This is really help you. Stop looking at people and comparing yourself. Well, they did it, or they didn't do it. If you excuse yourself because of someone else's what they got away with, it won't work when you face Jesus, it won't hold any water at all. He'll be like, oh, I don't care. This was between me and you. You disobeyed. I didn't require that of them, but I'm requiring, I'm asking you. Oh. There is, there is such a liberty here to just follow Jesus. Like, do you know how much stress that takes off of me every time I think about it? I don't have to figure out things. I don't have to carry the burden of... What to do, what to say, how to lead, like just Jesus, I'm right behind you. This is your church. I'm right behind you. Great relief. Then I stop making apologies for all my of my shortcomings. And I just I do everything that I feel He tells me to do. That's a great liberty if you follow that, and those are your convictions. It takes the stress off. You'll find you're so much more creative when you're following the one that called you. I've said this before years ago. I was looking at that, this. The, picture, <laughs> the disciples knew Jesus by his backside. I had this revelation. The disciples knew Jesus. Yes, he had times where he sat and talked with them face to face. But when they, they were going somewhere... Follow me. Don't lead me. Don't be out in front telling me what you think I should do. Like, follow me. And the followers are here. And also, don't follow people. Don't follow churches. Follow Jesus. Like, follow him. Be a follower of him. Find out what all of a sudden reading changes, like you read your, like you're looking. You want to know His heart. You want to know what matters to him and you're looking for those, those key things, those things that give life, those things that you want to get free from that heaviness? Follow Jesus. You want to break the depression? Follow Jesus. You want to deal with that stress you're carrying about the decisions? commit your way to Jesus and expect him to show you how to go. I gave that testimony yesterday at the funeral. Like, people, this is really how I live. I trust the Lord. I commit everything to the Lord. When I feel a problem, I, I fix it between me and Jesus. This is all that matters. This is, this is what matters. If you're, if you're good with him... Everything changes. If you're not good with him, life's going to be awful empty. It will will be vain. But if you know you're walking with him, his call is follow me. It's not even do stuff as much as it is follow me. Be with you. I invite you to come alongside me. What an honor. What an honor to be called. What an honor to have him. Let me close with this one scripture out of Psalms Psalms, um, 119, 45. Psalms 119 is a big, huge chapter. And in 45, it says, I will walk with you in complete freedom, for I seek to follow your every command. Let that be what's written on your forehead. I seek to follow your commands. If you, have, if you follow people, they'll have you jumping through hoops. But if you follow Jesus, he'll lead you in a good, good way. He'll lead you up through the mountains. He'll lead you to the high places. Where he leads you, you will not be disappointed. And there's nothing hard you walk away from that he won't make up, for, make up to you in some, t- in some way, in some shape, in some form. He intends, and and the whole reason I shared that was this is what activates Jesus finishing and doing a good work in you and finishing the work that he started. It doesn't happen while you're sitting watching television. Very unlikely. It takes movement on your part, and the movement is following Jesus. When you follow him, it activates him finishing the work that he began in you. What is the beginning? Follow me. That's the beginning of the work. Then in the following, it stays at it's it as it as you continue. That's where the perfecting comes from. That's where the transformation comes. He finishes the work that it began in you. And it happens as you follow him. It does not happen any other way. It doesn't happen when you run from him, it doesn't happen when you do nothing, like you just. Shut down and don't follow. It's an activity. And if you just say you have faith, but there's not action in it, they can't really be separated. You don't earn this. It's just that the movement of following is, is the true response. And just standing there going, I believe, I believe, I believe, you know, like, <laughs> but you're still standing in the same place. Follow him. Let's just thank the Lord for calling us. Father, we sometimes forget that you drew us to you. We forget what a privilege it is because we encounter people that haven't yet perceived that you're calling them. What a difference. We don't talk about religion. We don't talk about God. We, we walk with you. We interact with you. We have problems and we commit it to you. We have decisions to make and we ask you and we commit things to you. Big things and little things. We have a father that's engaged with us and you've called us to follow. So it's your life. It's your plan. It's your purpose. And in that will be the greatest joy that we have, the greatest freedom, the greatest liberty. We thank you for calling us, and we commit our hearts to follow you wherever you go. Thank you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Happy Mother's Day. Have a nice day. A little dreary, but a little cold, a little dreary.